When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. And now you've got Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores! Riley takes the snap, settles into the pocket. He's got some time. Now he's going deep, looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch! And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6:30, Chad. We say goodbye to one of the best all-time in the National Hockey League. Stan Makita has passed away at the age of 78. His entire 21-year NHL career with the Chicago Blackhawks helped them win the Stanley Cup in 1961. He won the Hart Trophy in 67 and 68 into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1983. He was also on Canada's famous 1972 Summit Series team. However, because of injury, he was only able to play a couple of games. Makita, 1,394 games in the NHL, 541 goals. Truly a legend of the great game of hockey and remembered for some other innovations as well or at least being one of the first players to say hey we got to try this out might help us play might help us be a little bit safer about seven years ago he was interviewed by uh, a, a website called mouthpiece sports and makita was asked about being one of the first players to wear a helmet in game action well i, I guess i was too stupid to put on the helmet <laughs> until i got hit in the head and, and it woke me up a little bit but no, the way I looked at it was we're, we're with our uniform, we are covered from head to toe. Or let's, let's rephrase that, from the neck down to our toe. But uh, the most important part of our body, the head, uh, we didn't have much protection. So I, I got together with an engineer from Riddell Company, which is the, what, who makes the football helmets, and we came up with one uh, with a suspension in it that uh, the football players used to use. Yeah. And then we got into the, the rubber foam uh, afterwards. But yes, it saved me an awful lot of headaches. You mentioned the word concussion. Uh, I'm not sure if I had any concussions be- because nobody ever told me I had one. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just normally this, this idiotic, I guess. Uh, but the, uh, the point was, the, yeah, I, I put it on so that uh, I quit hurting. So Makita wearing a helmet and also, now imagine this, it's hard to imagine this now, uh, the, the, the straight, everybody used to use a straight stick. There wouldn't be any curve on your stick. Well, Makita, really one of the guys responsible for this innovation of using a stick with a curve. My uh, invention started like all great inventions do by accident. It happened that uh, my stick got caught in the doorway of where the players come in and out of the, of the bench and somebody pushed me forward even more and the stick cracked it did not break but it cracked so uh as i pulled it out and i saw the l shape in the in the stick uh, i got a little upset because now i had to go all the way downstairs to get another stick yeah. and i didn't really want to do that so 
I, did, I saw a puck laying there and I slammed it against the boards in anger and there was a different sound that I heard yeah. the, the rebound coming off the off the boards I hit a, I shot a couple more with a wrist shot and that that turned out to be the same the same thing that uh, it was different and uh, then finally the stick cracked so I kept it in the back of my head and uh, I think uh, it was that day or the next day after the shower you know you you're waiting around to see what guys are going to do and I said let me see if I can bend one of those sticks into that yeah. particular uh, area and uh, it took a while to, to get it through my head that I, I uh, you know you, ha you have to kind of make the the wood warmer or, or uh, uh, make it like a spaghetti so yeah. it was almost <laughs> cooking hockey sticks but, it, but not quite and it, the way it came out is, is what I was looking for. Now, it took a lot of practice to uh, finally get the guts to use it in the game. And I think about a month later is what, what I, uh, when I finally started to use it. And, of course, Bobby looked at it. He said, make me one of those in the left, which I did, made it in the, in the left-hand shot. And I guess the rest is history. In the man's own words from an interview he did in 2011 on Mouthpiece Sports, Stan Makita, the hockey world, says farewell to him today. He passes away at the age of 78. Definitely one of the all-time greats. Uh, you don't hear this very often. His entire 21-year career, all with the same team, only played for Chicago. And uh, I guess on a, on a lighter note, but certainly something that stands out for a lot of people, and I don't know I've had a couple of people text in already, Stan Makita's Donuts, which of course was uh, uh, appeared in the movie Wayne's World back in the early 90s as uh, Mike Myers, a Canadian big hockey fan, played Wayne in the movie, spoofing Tim Hortons. And he has Stan Makita's Donuts, and Makita himself had a cameo role in that movie. Thanks for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio 630 Chet. It is 11 minutes after 6. Our next Eskimos game is coming up on Thursday. They will visit the BC Lions, 6 o'clock for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 8 as the Eskimos will try to extend their three-game winning streak. You can always text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Quick update from an interview we had on Friday. We had uh, Daniel Harkis on the show from Cochrane. Uh, he was talking about that big charity paintball event that they do shooting for a cause this year they were raising money to uh, help families affected by cancer uh, Daniel texting in with the update they raised almost seven thousand dollars for shooting for a cause this weekend great stuff Daniel thanks for coming on the show and hope you keep going with that well a guy who keeps going and keeps playing well is a guy the Eskimos will be trying to stop in two days when we get back you'll hear from BC Lions quarterback Travis Lule. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Well, I got to tell you something. I don't feel tardy. Blue Jays leading the Red Sox 2-1. That's in the top of the fifth. Canada-Slovakia, 7 o'clock tonight. Rogers place their second game of the Holinka-Gretzky Cup. Canada rolling over Switzerland 10-0 last night. My name is Reed Wilkins. I'm pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports the quarterback for the British Columbia Lions, Travis Lule. Travis, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. We got the sun shining in BC and just gearing up for this matchup uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, well, it's uh, going to be a good one. The Eskimos taking on the Lions. Great to have you back on the show, Travis. Uh, I, well, you and I have talked in the past, and uh, you have been through a lot in your career. You've, you've had pretty much all the ups and downs that a player could have. 
and that hasn't stopped since <laughs> since we last talked, man. Uh, just stuff keeps happening to you. Uh, and again, some good, some bad. How do you keep rolling with all this, Travis? Uh, I know you're physically tough, but you keep proving your mental toughness too. Yeah, well, you know, in a, in a strange kind of way, I've uh, I've learned how to deal with it, you know, because like you mentioned, I have uh, had a few things, you know, with injuries and uh, just different career circumstances over the last few years. So, you know, I, I've just, uh, I think one thing it's really done for me is given me an appreciation for, you know, any, you know, that, that, I, that I still have the opportunity to still do this. You know, this is something that, I love doing I, I, I re- and I really do. I uh, you know when I decided to come back after my latest you know injury last last fall, um, I had to commit to coming back because I you know I, uh, I really still enjoy the process of being around the guys, being involved in putting a team together and, and finding ways uh, uh, to get wins, you know even if that meant that I wasn't going to be on the field and so I, I genuinely could commit to doing that and it just you know just so happens that as I got healthy, I kind of got the tap on the shoulder that I was going to be asked to be back on the field and so that's uh, you know it's just such a it really is like an added benefit for me and it's exciting and I don't take a minute of that for granted to be out on the field because there was frankly there was a time when I didn't know if I would get that opportunity again so I'm just uh, you know tickled to be out there competing with my guys again and try and find wins. When you had the injury last September I mean did you have any of those here we go again any of those why me type thoughts? You know, I'd say, I'd say if I if I said no, I'd be lying. You know, there is uh, there's definitely a part of that that goes through your mind, but um, I, I I find ways to to kind of nip that in the bud right away, right? I as soon as I started asking why me or not feeling good about myself, uh, I would just kind of focus in on the moment. No, I'm just you know uh, gearing down on the rehab and i really wanted to commit to rehab and as though i were playing and then kind of make that decision as my knee started to come around so uh, i think that was uh in hindsight that was a really good approach for me because you know i was so disappointed when it happened it would have been easy to say you know i don't want to put myself at the risk of having to do something like this again but as you know that emotion kind of settled down and i started to come around and Ed Hervey gave me an opportunity to to come back and and be a part of this thing, and you know expressed one to have me around. He believed I still had some good football left in me. I I, uh, I committed to that process and just kind of took it one day at a time. I uh, so I that's my biggest lesson is that I've learned it's not getting too emotionally caught up in you know just wherever your emotions are on that current day. It's uh, it's a little bit of a bigger picture mindset, and you know, it's one of the added blessings of of dealing with some adversity, right? Travis Lule, BC Lions quarterback, joining us on Inside Sports. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with Jonathan Jennings. I know you guys have played together a while, and, and because of injuries or other circumstances, there have been times one guy has replaced the other. Quarterback in football is one of those uh, positions. It's it's kind of the alpha male position, and only one guy can't be on the field uh, uh, at a time. And the decision was made a few weeks ago that you, know, you were going to get to start uh, after he started the first three games. How is it working between you guys? guys uh you know i know there's obviously some competition there but but you remain teammates yeah i mean you know first and foremost uh jonathan is just he's one of my closest friends uh you know here on earth so uh our our relationship goes way beyond our 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 football status and you know we're we're fortunate to to kind of be in that situation that's not always the case um you know i've obviously uh, i've been close to a lot of my quarterback compadres mike riley and edmonton being one of them but uh um you know, we, we've 
we've learned we just talk openly and honestly exactly about where we're at, what we're doing, right? Whether that's uh, related to football or otherwise, we we always have those open conversations. So listen, I you know I I I share and um, you know the disappointment when when he didn't play to the level that he wanted to, as he would for me. I support the heck out of him to you know continue getting better. He does the same for me. Uh, honestly, if you stepped in uh, you know post practice meetings or you saw us in the morning working out. Uh, before practice or saw us on the, on the field doing the extra things, you wouldn't know who was the starter just based on our interaction. It, it literally hasn't changed at all since, uh, since we started doing that. So, you know, I think, I think we're fortunate to kind of have that relationship first and foremost that supersedes, uh, you know, any, you know, ill will about the kind of competition who's on the field at the time. So, uh, you know, Jonathan and I are doing great. And I, and I really still believe that, you know, John's, John's got a lot of good football left in him uh, and, you know, he'll do it to find that again if and when, you know, his, his next opportunity comes. Travis, uh, you, you know, you mentioned Mike Riley. Obviously, uh, uh, it goes without saying, hugely popular here in Edmonton. I know we, I asked you a little bit before him uh, before. I'll ask you about a specific sequence that game in Saskatchewan. When you see him on first down get absolutely drilled by a defensive lineman coming free into the backfield, and then the next play com- complete a, a game-saving long bomb to Kenny Stafford, are you just thinking, yeah, typical Mike, or, or what were you thinking during that sequence? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, one of the things that makes Mike uh, such a great pro is he just knows you just have to have a next play mentality, right? Playing the quarterback spot, there's a lot of eyes on you. Um, you know, people are looking for your response to adversity. And, uh, you know, honestly, anytime you hit a little bit of failure, it's an opportunity for you to, to kind of show your teammates uh, a moment of leadership that you're not going to, you know, bow down or, or crumble or what have you. You just have to worry about the next play. So whether you get crunched on first down or you miss a throw, you know, you clap your hands and you dial into the next play. And that's, you know, Mike does that as good as anybody. He's, he's tough. He's good at knowing when to stand in there and when to flee the pocket. That's, you know, that's one of his big strengths. So if he's got to stand in there and take a, take a hit uh, to make a throw, he's going to do that. Who taught you that to park the previous play and move on to the next one? Because, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of different athletes in a lot of different sports, and, and sometimes athletes will struggle with that or, or they got to get that spark somebody about, you know, about how to handle it. Where did it come from for you? For you? Well, you know, honestly, part of that's learned. I think, um, you know, I, I've just been – I've played the game long enough and was around some situations early in my career where – uh, you know, I was able to just just keep battling, right? And you know, I'm getting encouraged by coaches, teammates. Just 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 keep battling. Um, and you know, been around some games where it, it was it was ugly. Maybe you made some mistakes. Maybe the defense wasn't like you you planned for. Uh, and it just it just you just didn't feel right. But you keep slugging, and all of a sudden you find yourself make a play or two, and you're in you're in a ball game at the end of a game, and you find a way to come out on top. I mean, the lesson learned there is, man, it really doesn't matter what happened up to that point, whether it was good or bad. And you've been on the flip side of that, right? Just just having been around it, you know, playing really well early, feeling good about what you're doing, all of a sudden the other team catches some momentum, you know, you tense up a little bit, and the other team comes back. So you just, I mean, that's that's just a very real thing. And living through those moments, you go, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we've done to this point. It doesn't matter what game scenario has led to this play we're on. This is the play that I have to be concerned with. And, you know, just because we make so many decisions in the course of a game playing quarterback and and all of our decisions can you know directly affect the outcome of a game you, you just have to have to find that mindset because if you get to wallow in about the bad play you had last quarter um, you're affecting your team moving forward and, and and so when that when you think of it that way with that kind of responsibility it just it really is the only 
mindset that makes any kind of sense to give your team a chance to win. Travis, one one guy in the league who's who's going to have to bounce back from a tough game, and a lot of the talk has been about him lately, uh, is Johnny Manziel. I'm just wondering, you know, your thoughts on him joining the league. He comes with a lot of notoriety. Uh, obviously, maybe you know he has a lot of people talking about the league and maybe watching it that might not uh, pay as much attention to it usually. Just uh, what are your what are your thoughts on seeing him come into the league and now get to play? Well, I, I would say this. I'd say uh, you know without knowing. Johnny Manziel or anybody, uh, you know, around him, I would say that, you know, he came up here and, and at least what he said publicly is, you know, it seems as though he's got um, the right kind of mindset. I think he's respected the league. I think he knew that it wasn't going to be a cakewalk. Um, you know, I think uh, he kind of trusted that process of it. You know, and like I said, this is all at least what he said publicly. So in that sense, you know, I have no reason to root against the guy, right? I'm like, he's coming up here. He is drawing some attention. I, you know, I got friends in the states who have asked me, oh, you know, if Johnny's coming to Vancouver, and which he's not, by the way, because we already played Montreal when he wasn't on the team in Vancouver. But, uh, uh, you know, so I, I, I can see that that he does generate some interest. Um, I do think, you know, the fact that there's a lot of hype around him and the fact that he struggles might make might make some say, man, the CFL looks pretty legit. You can't just walk in there and and play well right off the bat. So you know, I think um, you know, obviously that's a that's a tough start. Um, but he said all the right things in the post game. He said, look, the game the game will humble you. The game the game does doesn't matter how long you've been around it. The game will, the game can hum, humble you no matter how much you love it. It doesn't always love you back, right? So um, there's a respect level there. Um, so I you know. So from 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 where I sit, uh, you know, I have no reason to pull against the guy. Obviously, unless he's playing against us, I'd like to see him struggle a little bit. But uh, you know, just for his own sake, I think, you know, drawing some little attention to the league. Um, he, here's a guy who seems to be genuine in his attempt at uh, a comeback. I mean, it really does. It takes a it takes a sense of humility just for him to step up here with all the eyes that he's had on him because you know unless he plays great you know people from the outside who don't know anything about the situation might view that as a failure so he had to be somewhat aware of that coming in but he still suited up and got out there right off the bat so uh be interesting to see how mentally tough he is i i mean obviously he's uh hardly i mean the guy hadn't been in montreal 10 days and he's starting a game for him right so that's no easy task so uh as he as he gets more comfortable with the system and his new teammates i'll be curious to see how he responds Travis, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, you're a great representative of the Lions and the CFL. Thanks for sharing your thoughts tonight, and uh, I, I wish you certainly all the best health uh, the rest of the season, and good luck. Thank you very much. Always enjoy. Right on. That is great to catch up with Travis Lule, once again the starting quarterback for the BC Lions. We have a news update coming up. I uh, just want to tell you quickly here, part of Jasper Avenue closed in the area of 116th Street. Police investigating what uh, they're calling an object discovered in a nearby business not known when Jasper... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I will reopen in the area of 116th Street. We will literally get corny when Inside Sports returns.
your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Well, after missing the last game with an injury, Eskimo center Justin Sorensen will return to snap the ball to Mike Riley on Thursday night. Sorensen scheduled to join us later on tonight. You're listening to Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Stan Makita passing away today at the age of 78, one of the all-time greats in the NHL. His entire 21-year career with the Chicago Blackhawks, 541 goals in close to 1,400 regular season games in the NHL. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in this evening. Hope you had an awesome long weekend. I was out at the Edmonton uh, Petrolia Club for the final round of the Oil Country Championship on Sunday. That was amazing. Three golfers shot 63 uh, all-course records, including... The champ, Tyler McCumber, who finished 21 under par. Ian Holt finished second. He also shot 63. So McCumber basically had to go out there and uh, shoot a course record to win. He did win by two shots. Holt was in the group ahead of McCumber. He had a, uh, uh, Holt had a chip from just off the 18th green for Eagle. Almost canned it, had to settle for birdie, and then McCumber put it away with a birdie of his own on 18. McCumber, the son of course designer Mark McCumber. Petroleum Club was designed back in 1993, so that's a pretty cool connection, and McCumber has now won two consecutive events on the McKenzie Tour. It is 6.35. Well, you have probably seen some pretty cool aerial photos of this place, so let's talk about it. We're uh, delving into the Edmonton Corn Maze, Probably good we're not going to try to get out of it in the uh, course of the show because I probably wouldn't be good in time. But what about out in time? One of the guys behind it, Jesse Cray, checking in tonight. Jesse, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Thank, I'm, I'm great. Thank you very much for making time for me this evening. Uh, how, how, how many years now have the corn maze has been operating? This is our 18th year of uh, getting people lost out here. Great. <laughs> Lots of stuff. Now, uh, now this year, uh, the design is uh, of an Edmonton. Is that specifically McDavid, or who is that? Yeah, it was modeled after him. Yeah, most. Uh, I guess it could be whoever you want, but it's probably McDavid for us. Okay, good stuff. Now, I, I, I found a, a, a site that lists your theme every year. And by the way, thanks for one year having a 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous out there. But it has often been uh, a sports-related theme when it comes to the corn maze. Uh, why is that? Uh, we find people really like it. It's kind of fun for us to uh, get something that people get excited about. And uh, Edmonton really likes their, uh, their teams. So... How do you how do you pick the design and, and then go about the process of making it? Act, like how how big is the corn maze? Uh, just you know, a rectangular area. First of all, it's about ten acres, so I think two or three football fields uh, in size. Okay, so you got to have uh, a maze that people can can solve once they're in there. Plus, when you have the aerial shots, it has to look like whatever you you want it to look like. Who? How do you make sure that happens? We work with a company who designs mazes all over North America, and uh, we send them a rough idea of what we want, and then they turn it into the maze. It's a uh, fine line between being too hard and uh, too easy. You don't want to be out there all day. Right. And, so. <laughs> all right, so is will there be somebody uh, like up in the sky directing people when you're originally plotting it out, or how does that work? No, we plant the whole field in the spring, and then when it's about six inches tall, we grid it all out and uh, 
lots of measurements and then cut out the corn we don't need and then let the rest grow. Okay, cool stuff. Uh, now this one here with with McDavid, um, if if you're really sharp that day, how long should it take to solve? Well, uh, most people take around an hour. If you know exactly where you're going, you can do it in about 15 or 20 minutes. But oh, okay. there's not too many people like that. All right. Uh, what what's the what's the best part of you, uh, Jesse? And what's the best part of this for you, presenting this to people? Oh, it's great having people out here uh, wandering around. You uh, a couple rows over, and you hear them arguing or laughing or uh, all sorts of different, uh, having lots of fun. <laughs> Do you encourage people to go in groups? Yeah, usually a couple people. Couples come out here, and uh, it's just, it can be a strain on the relationship or uh, <laughs> something good. So you get to find out how well you really can interact with somebody else. And, well, yeah, uh, there's been a few first dates that uh, didn't end that well. That, that was the only date. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. good. If you're if you're stuck in a maze with somebody, you need to be someone you can trust, right? So you find exactly, that out yeah. quickly enough. Uh, what happens? Or like, do you have, uh, for lack of a better word, supervisors roaming around the maze or helpers if people are getting a little stuck? Yeah, we've got corn cops walking around the maze, and they'll uh, they'll give you a hand if you need it. Corn cops. All right. That's great stuff. Jesse Craig joining us uh, on Inside Sports. We're talking about the Edmonton Corn Maze, edmontoncornmaze.ca. They got a great photo on there. So it's uh, a representative of Connor McDavid and then basically more traditional uh, maze-like paths uh, around the outside of that and a big uh, Oilers logo as well. Um, Now, what's your season? When do you open and when do you usually have to say, okay, I don't think uh, it's, it's, uh, it's green enough anymore? We've been open for two weeks now, and we go until the week after Thanksgiving or so. All right. Once, uh, yeah, once you get frost, it dies, and then it turns brown, but right now it's nice and green. I got a texter asking if you harvest the corn afterwards. We do. It's just cattle feed, so it doesn't taste very good. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, unless that's your thing, right? Uh, <laughs> I guess people take it home, and then they're a little disappointed, so... <laughs> Uh, you had Ryan Smith before. You had Ricky Ray before. You had a bull rider. Uh, you, you had a curler. Going back to 01, do you have a favorite design, Jesse? Uh, they're all kind of uh, their own special things, but uh, the others one seems to uh, stick out a little bit for us. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, so give people, because I know driving to the golf course uh, this weekend, I saw the signs too. Can you give people the lowdown of how to get there? Yeah, we're just on 23rd Ave or Garden Valley Road and about uh, two miles west of Winterburn Road. All right, so Winterburn Road, also 215th Street. So if you go to 23rd and 215th, just keep going a little bit more west. Um, What what, what do you charge people to go through? $12 for general admission and 9 for children aged 5 to 11. Now, if someone sets the record for fastest to solve it, do they get, like, a discount? Well, there's lots of people out here cheating, and uh, no. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's incredible. Have you ever had an, uh, I mean, when we mentioned you've had a lot of Oilers or Eskimos depicted, have you ever had an Oiler or an Eskimo come out to try the maze? Yeah, we, when Ricky Ray was in there, he, he came through, and uh, I know Ryan Smith's been here and a bunch of other guys. So. All right. Well, Ricky Ray was always so calm, so he must have been pretty uh, pretty calm going through the maze. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Well, Jesse, thanks for checking in with uh, checking in with this. It, it, it's really cool. I I love the sports tie to it, but it's a uh, it's a fun Edmonton thing for sure, and and a thing that a lot of people get out there and do in the summer. Again, EdmontonCornMaze.ca. Jesse gave you the directions. Jesse, well, you'll have to let me know what you're planning next year so we can get you on a little earlier in the season. Okay. Perfect. Right on. That is Jesse Cray checking in tonight from the uh, Edmonton Corn Maze. And uh, as a proud Edmontonian, I'll be a little bit ashamed to admit I have never attempted the Corn Maze. Kellen, have you gone out there? Uh, A few times, actually, in the past. And were you able to get out? Never. I've never beaten a Corn Maze. So are there shortcuts to get out if you can't? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you can just go off to the side and then you're on the perimeter. Yeah, I mean, like, some people just go out there and that stuff. And it's, it's a fun, creative way, you know, to get I'll go for a walk or get a, your exercise in for today if you want. But you were actually trying to figure it out. One year we did. I think actually. Is this the year, you and some buddies or what are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, with some buddies. I think actually it was a year that they did have Ricky Ray as the theme. I remember that. And we couldn't solve it for the life of us at all. So so were you just totally disoriented or did you kind of have a point where, okay, we know where we are and we think the exit's over there? Or we, how did... we thought we had it about 15 minutes in. And. There's no worse feeling in the world than turning around in a wall of corn and being like, we got this, we got, and then dead end. And it's oh, like, so you just hit a dead end. It's not like oh, there's another fork in the road. Yeah, exactly. So then you have to backtrack yeah. and try to find your way out. Yeah. Are there any signs at all in the maze? Uh, yeah, there, there are at, at, at main junctions and stuff like that. When, when Last time I went, at least, which was a... But, Three or four they, years they're, ago but they're not going to say this is no. the way out. Are they yeah. just directional or escape this way if you're lost? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, probably. I mean, it was one of those things where we may have not been paying attention to the signs too at this point. <laughs> We're just out there for a good time, right? So. All right. Well, it sounds like you have a the, good time. The corn cops help out quite a bit, so. That's great. Yeah, corn and that's cops. a great name for them, corn that, cops. That is that is pretty yeah. incredible. All right. Well, that was fun to feature that for sure. Again, edmontoncornmaze.ca. Uh, great uh, picture. So it's based it's based on McDavid. They are open, so here are their hours until September 3rd, uh, Monday to Saturday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., and then Sunday afternoons from 1 to 5. Once they get into the fall, they won't be open quite as much, obviously, with uh, the daylight starting to disappear a little bit, but uh, they're open until uh, after Thanksgiving, so that's pretty cool stuff. That was fun. That was fun for sure. You can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. We're going to update the Edmonton prospects in a few minutes. Another first-round upset over Okotoks. Now they're into the second round of the uh, Western Major Baseball League playoffs, taking on Medicine Hat. Peter Shirelli, the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, was on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer earlier today. The one piece of business still hanging out there for the Oilers is defenseman Darnell Nurse. He is a restricted free agent. Uh, the contract is not done yet. Shirelli commenting on trying to get Nurse signed. They generally take longer. Um, obviously, he's a player we want to get signed, and, and we will sign. Um, you know, there's just there's just different leverage points, and, and it's no accident that there is a longer list of restricted free agents that happens every year, and, and they're now in that group. All right. Also, the Oilers will have a new backup goaltender this year. Miko Koskinen signed one-year deal, $2.5 million. I know a lot of people commenting that uh, they were surprised he got that amount of money after playing in the KHL. I, I would certainly think he is pegged to replace Al Montoya as Camp Talbot's backup. Here's Shirelli commenting on Koskinen. Yeah, we, we saw him quite a bit, and uh, he was uh, he's had uh, a few terrific years in the KHL Continental Hockey League. Tall, gangly, uh, really maturing at a later age, like like a lot of goalies do. 
and um, a lot of teams were pursuing him. Um, our, our team looked attractive to him um, for a couple of reasons. One being that all our goalies were at kind of the end of their contract, so he could contend uh, going forward. He had multiple year offers from other teams, but he chose to take a single year offer with us for that reason. Um, he was over here in the summer. He met all our staff. Uh, um, he's he's like he's one of these guys that mature late and and had a very good. Uh, um, three or four years of maturation process overseas and, and, and we had good viewings and looking forward to having him in our group. Alright, a guy who uh, certainly the Oilers are hoping will be able to push Cam Talbot and uh, maybe take some of the load off Talbot. He has been the Oilers undisputed number one for the last three seasons. Uh, the number two goaltender generally has, has not been near good enough. It is 6.46. We will uh, check in with the Edmonton Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline prospects on the road tonight hoping to even their series then coming home Jordan Blundell is the assistant GM when we get back You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader 630 Chad. Manziel's first CFL start, getting an average audience of 406,000 on ESPN2 in the States, making it the most watched game for ESPN since it started showing CFL games in 1980. Previous record was actually a game between the Esks and the Riders in June of 2013 in Canada. Uh, the Manziel game getting a combined average audience of 730,000 uh, on TSN and RDS. Not a season high in Canada. Several games have had more than 900,000 viewers, including the game uh, on Thursday between the Eskimos and the Riders. But uh, Manziel certainly turning a few more eyeballs to the Canadian Football League, though, as we have said, his team is horrible. The Alouettes, not good. I don't know if he's single-handedly Turn them around, but uh, yeah, we'll see. All right. The Edmonton prospects are quite a story. They have had okay regular seasons the last three years. Uh, I'm not going to say great as I bring in uh, Jordan Blundell, the assistant general manager of the team. I mean, I'll start there, Jordan. And I'm not, I don't, I don't, you can correct me, I don't think I'm being overcritical. Your, your last three regular seasons uh, have been good, but I, I would not call them as great if, as you're, if you're not getting home field advantage in the first round. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's a fair statement. Thanks for having me on, Reed, by the way. And uh, we got a big game tonight in Manhattan. So, uh, yeah, the, uh, the regular season's kind of been an up and down for us uh, the last couple of years. Uh, and as our program's kind of grown into, uh, you know, level of consistency as far as player recruitment and coaching and just kind of be, becoming more uniform in how we do things from uh, the early days. Um, you know, we, we've, we've upped our win totals, uh, but, but now we've kind of got to that plateau of, uh, of getting to 500 and putting ourselves in a position to be in the playoffs. So, you know, probably uh, moving forward, uh, we're going to try and see if we can 
increase those regular season wins and, and maybe try and find some consistency a little bit earlier in our season as we, we tend to, to tend to be a second-half team, which at the end of the day, if that's the script that we we had to choose, I'd take that every time to, to play our better baseball at the, at the, in the last half of the year for sure. All right. Well, and I lead this into, or I use that to lead into uh, fourth place finishes in your division the last two years. You go to the league final, third place this year. Uh, again, j- judging by the standings, you'd be the underdog. You had to start on the road. And uh, again, you win in the first round, beating Okotoks three games to one. You won the first two in Okotoks, and uh, they were able to uh, score a pretty convincing win in game three at Remax Field, and then you guys held them off to win the series. Uh, And I know you're currently playing Medicine Hat, but we haven't talked since you eliminated Okotoks. Is this three years in a row you've upended them in the first round? That's three years in a row. It's It's the hat trick of upsets. Wow. Uh, I mean, what put you guys... Let me ask you this. Because we we texted briefly after the 11-3 game, uh, and you said we got to park it and put it behind us, and then you win game four, two to one. Uh, what can you say about your team's resolve? You know, able to really didn't look like anyway. Let that 11-3 loss affect you too much. Well, exactly. And I think we we may have spoken a little bit earlier in the year about uh, the team identity laying somewhere in the resiliency uh, area, and I, and I think we showed that in game four. Uh, there was a play early on in Game Four. Uh, it was a it was a potential scoring play. I believe there's two outs. Ball was hit through the right side. Our second baseman uh, Tony Olson made made a diving play. It was a tough play. It was full stretch out. Get up on your feet. Throw the guy out by a step. Uh, and and I think that play. You know, uh, obviously one play doesn't dictate the whole scenario, but that one play kind of I think said to our to our group we weren't going to let them. We're going to let them do what they did in Game Three. It, it, it sent a message that we're here to play. We're shutting you down. You had a chance to score. We didn't let you. And let's get after it. And then for me, watching the game, I felt like that was a statement of our team. Our team making that statement to them, saying, "Hey, we're here to play today. Yesterday's over." And that that basically tells the story of our of our year. I mean, that's that's how we've been. We've had some ups and downs, and. We seem to be able to respond once we've had the down and, and get ourselves back on track. So we're kind of faced with that situation right now. Uh, you know, being the underdog on the road again in Medhat, uh, you know, this series we've we've lost game one. So tonight's uh, tonight's a big night, and, and looking forward to, to seeing the guys rebound. And we'll keep people updated uh, on the game when it gets underway here. But Medicine Hat did win last night by a score of ten four. Uh, now, did they set the the wins record, or were they one win short? You know, I'd, I'd have to double check. I think I think thirty nine was the record, and yeah. they had thirty eight. So they're like they're a historically good team in the league. Yeah, they had they had a great year for sure. And, and you know, one of the things is we 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 got them three times this year. We we uh, won in their park and, and stopped. I think they had a thirteen game streak going. And uh, early in the year, when they had a ten game streak, they came into our park and we beat them. And um, so I think I think we feel like you know when we're up against them, you know, it's even Steven. It's it's whoever makes the least amount of mistakes as a group is, is going to be the team that's on top at the end of the game. So, um, you know, as much as you, 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 you don't think that you have confidence going up against a team that, you know, won 85% of their games, you know, we were 500 against them. We beat them three times. We beat them in their park. We beat them in our park. We, we played them tight. Uh, and, and I think that's what our guys are, are, are thinking about right now. 
All right. Well, uh, this is going to be fun. Uh, you guys have been great at bouncing back all season long, so I expect that in Game 2 tonight. So you're home uh, 7 o'clock tomorrow, and then uh, and then hopefully if on, uh, what would it be, Thursday for Game 4? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's uh, Wednesday for sure, and then hopefully we push it to Thursday. Uh, game times are, are 7 o'clock at uh, Remax Field. All right. Well, Jordan, it's great to have you on the show. I'll be keeping an eye on your game against Medicine Hat tonight. I know it's about to get underway in the hat. Hopefully you guys even up the series. Yeah, you've been great to talk to you all year long. Hopefully there are a few more of these throughout the postseason. Sound good? Yeah, for sure. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Reese. That is Jordan Blundell checking in tonight. He's the assistant general manager for your Edmonton prospects. So uh, uh, Okotoks. <laughs> must be sick of playing the prospects in the first round, uh, losing to them three years in a row. Now a really tough task against Medicine Hat. We'll see if the prospects can even up the series tonight. Blue Jays leading the uh, Red Sox, who are having a great season. 2-1, that one now in the top of the seventh. Still ahead, Justin Sorensen, center for the Edmonton Eskimos. Oh, this is, We haven't had this guy on the show for a while. Also coming up, Chris Sheets. Has he recovered from Big Valley yet? All ahead on Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.